This is Jordan Edwards, and this is the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. Dan Silver. Jordan Edwards, how are you? Very good. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we have a lot in common. Such as? Lacrosse, golf, jiu-jitsu, real estate. Those are all things that I uh, that I do and I've done my whole life. And Excellent. So, are you, you, you particularly good at any of them? Um, I'm no good at golf. I'm no good at golf. Although I've been playing <laughs> my whole life. but uh, And I played in, a, in a, an outing on Saturday. Uh, played to about a 20 handicap. Uh, I played lacrosse my whole entire life into college. I played two years of club, club ball. Um, and I retired. I was also a competitive skier. I ski raced my whole life. Also retired in college. Uh, and as you know, and the reason why we're here, I'm, uh, I've been practicing jujitsu for the past 11 years. And, you know, that is my current obsession. <laughs> it's what I think about all day and what I dream about doing. And even when I'm at work, I, I still try to apply all of my jujitsu to my real estate and my fashion business and, and everything else I do in life. And so, yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, we, we found each other through Instagram, through the, uh, through the podcast and you're building a real estate career and just interested to get to know you share a little bit about who you are and your path. Here's a little bit about me and my past. So I played college lacrosse, not particularly well. Yeah. And I've been struggling to find a sport in my adult life that would really get me excited where I could compete at. Yeah. Everything is relative, but high, meaningful levels, you know? Obviously, winning, you know, Masters for gold isn't the uh, quite the same thing as winning uh, an open uh, pan championship. But <laughs> I think it's very important business in life to have whys and goals and destinations. And that's one thing I love about jiu-jitsu. We can continue to refine process. Um, the beautiful thing for me in jiu-jitsu is I've really struggled the last few years, really my whole life, with a fixed mindset. So as, as I aspire to have more of a growth mindset, what a beautiful learning opportunity this sport is, is it not? You know? Yeah, the, the greatest, the absolute greatest. It, you know, having to have stopped training through quarantine, uh, losing three valuable months of training, and then having to kickstart that, um, was very, 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 very hard, both mentally and physically. And now I've slowly been getting back into it, but my gym is still closed. And yesterday I was training with a couple guys in one of my friend's basement gyms. And I was just thinking, this is like mental chess. Like I felt like my mind was yeah. working for the first time in months to your point. Here's the thing I love about it. After you're done with a good training session, good open mat, man, that 90 minutes afterwards, just your neurochemistry, man, all the good juju, all the adrenaline, cortisol goes away, all the serotonin dumps out. The 90 minutes or so after training is just the most magical place in the world. It is beautifully and perfectly said. And uh, when I stopped my lacrosse career, uh, that was about the time that I transitioned to martial arts and, and found jujitsu. Uh, when, when did you graduate and where did you graduate from? So I took my sweet ass time. I gra I'm 41. Yeah. I graduated from UC Davis in 2009, a week after I turned 30. Okay. I was fortunate enough to play, played club lacrosse, about the equivalent of low division three. So competitive, not overly competitive. And when I graduated, I was just like, man, I'm done with this. I had no intent of ever playing a sport at a meaningful level again. Um, I've spent about 10 years refereeing lacrosse at decently high levels, but I wanted to get back into playing a sport. And one of the two black belts in my gym, I have a fairly small gym. 
is a real estate colleague and he's like, oh man, you should come out. You should train. It's awesome. And he's this quiet, nice guy. I'm like, oh, jujitsu. What is this crap? Is this Taekwondo? Am I going to be doing katas and swinging at the air and doing ridiculous stuff? The first time I went, I'm sure he choked me out, you know, eight ways to Sundays with every choke in the book. And I'm like, holy shit, this is very, this is a very intense sport. Yeah. Um, I'm about a year plus in and I will give all the listenership a laugh. I don't have a stripe yet. I managed to catch staff. Then I managed to get into a, you know, not, not near fatal, but really bad traffic accident that could have been bad. Oh man. Um, yeah. I've always struggled with uh, anxiety and ADD. So I, it took me a while to start training four times a week and then COVID hit. And I was like, holy shit, when am I going to have a stretch where I can actually train? So, <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, that's uh, that's unfortunate. And you're in your 40s when you started uh, training. I mean, that's incredible. Um, I'm 35. I I've been training for quite some time, but I still felt like I got to the game late, even though I started when I was 24. And that's only when you can you compare to the kids that have been training their whole lives at this point. Uh, Life, everything's relative. I got we got 16, 18, 20 year old killers in my gym. We got 55-year-old hobbyists, and we have everything in between. And the beautiful thing about jujitsu is it's really it's a sport for everybody. Whatever the hell you want to make of it, that's what it is. Yeah. When did you start your real your real estate career? I started in 2015. I chose it over a career as a master's or doctoral level psychologist or psychotherapist. I jokingly told my friends I'm going to be more of a psychologist doing real estate than I would be doing uh, psychology. Yeah. And, sh and sure as heck, uh, it's... <laughs> play a lot of psychologists in my business. Yeah. And you're in the, uh, the Oakland area. Is that where you live also, or that's where your business is? I live in Oakland, Berkeley, which uh, is pretty close to San Francisco. Great place to practice. High price points takes a uh, interesting business. The barrier to entry is a $300 professional degree and an eighth grade education, but the good realtors, they are growth mindset process refinement. They work very, very hard to build the uh, skill set. Yeah. I'm gonna, while, while you're talking about that, I just pulled up some of your listings over here. You've sold some beautiful homes. Um, these are some real, look at this one over here, this, uh, this red house on Alderwood. I mean, this is no joke. This is a, these are beautiful million dollar homes. Um, that takes a lot of skill. You know, how, how did you get to that point in your career? I, um, assuming I can swear and that's not a problem. I, uh, I effed up a lot. I, uh, I, I, one thing I've learned from jujitsu, the development of the growth mindset has been great. I, I, so I'm about five years deep in real estate. It's starting to go pretty well, <coughs> pardon me, but there's moments where it's a struggle. You know, there's been moments where I have six homes in contract at once and they've all closed and any realtor would be very happy with that. But then I neglect my funnel. I neglect my process. I don't work my pipeline. And next thing you know, I don't sell a home for four months and and that sucks. So that's one thing I love about jujitsu. You have to be constantly refining your game. If you're scared of failure, you're not going to do well at jujitsu. Um, I would say a big improvement for me is when I started real estate, to me, I'm kind of an analytical nerdy type. And everything was a big choose your own adventure binary tree. Like I thought I had to have all the answers locked in place. And then, you know, you go through that binary tree and you realize, shit, I don't have all the answers. I need to figure things out. So jujitsu has really solidified that growth mindset for me of, I don't know, let me ask you a question. Let me 
And a similar thing between real estate and jujitsu is that there's a huge rate of failure slash burnout. It's the reason why people in gyms don't pay white belts often. They don't pay them much attention. You have to show the skin in the game and the, I care. I'm here three, four, five, five times a week. I ask good questions. I care about you being engaged with me. So jujitsu has been absolutely fantastic uh, and carry over to real estate in terms of figuring out who I want to mentor me, how I ask the right questions and how I show that skin in the game to have them see they'll stick around and I care and that I uh, have the potential to do well. Well, you know, to that point, um, I love white belts. I mean, right now I'm, I'm, I have my fourth stripe on my purple belt right before this all went down was training every single day for years, incredibly mm -hmm. consistent working towards, you know, this elusive and magical black belt, even though I feel like um, I've, I just enjoy every day. Like I'm not hunting for, for belts or stripes for, for a long time, but white belts are the funnel, you know, having white belts that we would have no one to train with once you get into the upper belts. Uh, if you don't have that big of an academy, uh, you, you find people, they get the blue belt and they disappear. You know, the blue belt blues, they call those. So I, you know, you, for you, the, the theme that I was thinking of today that we kind of had discussed a few months ago or weeks ago was, you know, being a beginner, having a beginner's mind, Shoshin, this concept in Japanese in the martial arts where you always want to have a beginner's mind and always have a white belt mentality. And I don't know if you watched the UFC fight on Saturday night between, uh, Israel Adesanya and uh, Costa, whatever, uh, what's his name? Well, he lost. Adesanya won. But at their at their stare down, this I, I, I saw that. Brazilian guy, I think his name is Paulo Costa, I think. He was wearing his black belt. And in his pocket, he takes out a white belt and throws it in Adesanya's face. And at the time, I was like, oh, man, this is, this is pretty intense. And that's a, quite a statement. And after Adesanya won in the second round, De de decisively, uh, he came out in the pre after press conference and he said, I always am going to have a white, white belt mentality. He goes, I happen to be a blue belt under Andre Galvo, but I am so happy to be a white belt and have that mentality. And this is a guy that was his hundredth professional fight that he won, whether it was kickboxing or in the UFC. And so I'm fascinated by this mentality because as you're probably learning, uh, being a jiu-jitsu white belt, but knowing from your other successes in lacrosse and golf and, and real estate, it's good to try to do new things. It's good to always try to seek being a beginner. So just if you could talk about your journey, like even like your first day, um, what's it like being a white belt right now? And like probably getting a lot of humiliation. Real quick, did, did Adesanya, did he win with strikes or with a sub? How do you win? Only with just beautiful technical striking. There was really no grappling exchanges to speak of. When I saw that exchange with uh with Dana White on Instagram. I'm like, Adesanya is going to kick this shit out of him. And I looked up his history. So Adesanya is a dude. He's really into anime. Grew up kind of a nerdy kid. Yes. Real process refiner. And I didn't. I don't know enough about MMA or UFC to say he was going to win. But I'm like, man, I like his chances after yeah. seeing to get not humiliated, but to do what Costa did. I thought Adesanya was going to really pack it in and look to hurt him. And it sounds like he did. <laughs> he did. So here's my jujitsu journey. So my friend, Daniel Ripper, who's a black belt, um, gets me in the gym. And my first couple of months, I'd show up once or twice a week. I was nervous. There was times where I would sit in the parking lot, 
just turn around and go home. It was scary as hell. There's still days where I'm like, shit, man, I don't want to go to jujitsu. I power through it a lot easier now. But I think that's the great thing about jujitsu in life. The more you show up, the more you permit yourself to fail, as long as you keep on trying, the 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 duration thereof becomes less every time. Like now when I'm like, I don't want to go to jujitsu, I'm a little bit more like, that's silly. I get over it really quickly. And I'm starting to view going to jujitsu as a privilege and an honor. At first, when you go, I'm a 6'1", 200-pound man who gets my ass kicked by 140-pound women, high school kids. And that's still, <laughs> frankly, that still happens. You know, <clears throat> I pace better. I survive better. I, I, I sometimes take a dominant position. I have my, 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 my sub game ain't that great yet. But you just you get to a point of coming out and refining process and failing enough times where you get comfortable. You let go of the ego. Um, let's talk about this for a minute. I'm a big proponent of stoicism. You love Ryan Halliday, yeah. obstacles, the way slash path. And just to let go of that ego and just be like, you know what? I am terrible and that's okay. My goodness, it's improved my resiliency and my capacity of my real estate business so much. Yeah. You know? Well, you take, uh, you know, in the real estate business, it is, as my dad would say, uh, never get into to a deal unless you expect to get kicked in the nuts at least three times. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you well always said. think of deals. Yeah. My dad's been around a long time and he's done a lot of deals. And in my, you know, I've been, I've been working now for 12 going on my 13th year in business. And since I graduated from college and that happens, but I've never done an easy deal. I've never done the deal that it's just like, Oh, it, it comes into my life and Oh, we closed easy or there was no problem with the bank or a tenant didn't want to leave. Or there's just always something even to the 11th hour uh, deals are being ripped away from us that we thought were done. And so jujitsu, as you said, is the ultimate tool of I go back every single night, every single night. And it's it's just the constant evolution of sometimes I'm doing the embarrassing and sometimes I'm getting embarrassed. Not that I'm actually embarrassed, just the, the concept of losing. You know, you know what? And here's the thing that's beautiful about it. What other form as a 40-year-old or 35, I believe, year old man yeah. – can you go in and somebody says in these exact words, man, you suck less than you used to, or you're less fat than you used to be, or this or that. And you're like, man, that's a hell of a compliment. <laughs> that's the thing I love about jujitsu. People think of this, you know, this was my prime time, you know, the mid eighties karate kid. People think of martial arts as being an ego booster for seven year olds or 12 year olds, but holy, yeah. it's, it's improved my self-confidence so tremendously. And I don't think people should necessarily need this, but, you know, a couple of weeks um, I'm, I'm rolling and a guy who just got promoted to Brown um, is our purple, purple belt. He's the closest thing we have. I want to call him a gym enforcer, but he's a beast. He's a competitor. Norm's a monster and he's in the corner and I'm not trying to listen to him, but I, you know, somebody tries to pass my guard and I just, just subconsciously reflectively just recover guard with something. And I hear him being like, wow, like he learned or he figured something up. And I had this like joyous bubbling up on the inside. I'm trying to focus my role, but it's like, they think I'm good. They really like me. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's sad. I'm a, you know, but, but it really, jujitsu teaches you how in life, a lot of times you plateau, you work, you work, you work, you work, you plateau. And then through muscle memory and repetition, something comes in your golf swing or this or that. And you're like, it's this instant gratification, but it's six months or a year of hard work that got you there. You know, I, I know exactly what you mean. And, you know, this is actually interesting talking to you about this because um, I often bring up golf in the gym because and nobody in my gym 
plays golf. Not one single person that I've yet to speak to over these years. And I'll often try to draw the analogy between golf of sometimes when I try to kill the ball, I mean, you could even whiff sometimes or, or shank it uh, or hit the ground. And if you've been having a good round, like if you've been hitting the ball consistently, even Tiger Woods goes after the ball too hard sometimes. And conversely, after you've hit that ball too hard, sometimes you go and you swing too easy. And you swing too easy and it's like the, 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 the swing falls apart. And that happens to me in jujitsu all the time. Like constantly, I constantly am I'm finding golf analogies in jujitsu and I have not taken many golf, I, I took a lot of golf lessons growing up, played a lot more when I was younger in college. And I, I actually played a lot during quarantine, which is funny, but just practicing jujitsu made me a better golfer. Have you, a quick interjection. Have you heard of Tiger Woods's 10 paces rule? No. So Tiger Woods has this rule where he hits a bad shot. You know, Tiger's walking around. I'm sorry. I swear too much. I'll try not no, to swear. Don't worry. It's fine. He's just like, he's like, fucking Tiger, you fucking suck. You're fucking awful. And he takes 10 paces and when he's done, it's out of his head. So he gets that self, uh, self-flagellation self and then it's on the next one. And the same thing when you roll, it's true. You know, somebody catches you in something and you just want to just be self-effacing, be like, you suck. You have to move on, especially we typically do six minute rounds with a minute off. If something just works me and I get worked a lot because I'm terrible, admittedly, um, you just have to, you think about, you process it. How can I get better? And you just have to, you just, you have to move on. And especially something at jujitsu where, you know, we had a new guy in, um, I'm doing some pod training. Um, we had a new guy in the other day and this is the first time this has ever happened. I just, I got to wreck him. I got to work position. I got to move from side control to mount, move up high on it. You know, the guy taps out from half acid pressure before I can even work. And it, but it gave me a, it dawned on me. It's like, as bad as I am, I've made this progression where I'm wrecking. Granted, he's the new guy. It really, jujitsu lets you see scale. It lets you see improvement in a way that not many other sports do. And very quickly to speak to your golf analogy, <clears throat> I think they are both. I understand why white collar professional types and entrepreneurs love both sports. You have to work. You have to work so hard. You don't get you don't get to do golf or jujitsu once or twice a week and improve or or stay stagnant. You're just you get better, you get worse. You, there's nothing in between. That is that's 100 correct. Uh, I was with the CEO of a big tech company here in New York. Um, not like a name guy. He's like an industry guy. And um, I'm out to lunch with him, and he said, "Yeah, I say you." He says, "You're a golfer." I said, "Yeah, I like to play golf." And I'm like, I go, I'm not very good, but I like to be out there. I like to hang out. I like to be with my friends or someone I'm doing business with for four hours and just being able to be outside. That's what I love about golf right now in my life is just carving out. I have a young son. I have one on the way. And when, how often do I get to go see my friends any longer? We're not going out. We're not like partying like we were back in the day. So you get together with three friends. You're out there for four hours. So I, that's what I say to him. And he looks at me and he goes, you know what I like about golf? taking my friend's souls. <laughs> and I was like, nice. and, and I, and I, I, I related to him so much because like in your, with your jujitsu friends and your boys, like you're, you, you train every day and you want to get better, but you also like your teammates, it's fun to compete. You know, it's, it's intellectually stimulating to go and compete with all the, your friends in the gym all the time. And you're helping. And, you know, the, in martial arts, they always say iron sharpens iron. And so to have those little 
those dynamics with the people in the gym, it makes you a better person. It makes them a better person. And he kind of, he, that's what we, and so after that, we started laughing about that. And he, he shared that with part of his golf journey. And I, I so appreciated it. And that's so well said. And with jujitsu, it's, it's golf is like baseball. It's like jujitsu. It's what you make of it. Baseball game. You want to go do a scorecard, be intense about it. You can, if you want to go with your friends, talk shit and drink beer for three hours, it's that. And jujitsu, it's the same thing. Jujitsu has been wonderful for me. It's taught me, um, good communications with my partners, which helps me better understand client expectations and delineate what I need out of people. You know, my shoulder's a little bit wrecked up, wrecked today. If, you, if you're going to go do a Kimura Americana, I'm going to tap out super easy. You know, it's just, it's so, man, and I love my gym. Um, I would not have made it, frankly. I was super soft about jujitsu. I really still am, but I'm getting better. Um, if I had started with a really hardcore gym full of 24-year-olds that just want a wreck shop all the time, I went to made it and now I'm getting to the point I want to compete, you know, nothing serious, just some, you know, I, I, I think it's important in life to have why. So I've said, I want to compete uh, masters three and a world's when it comes back, I'd like to do some purple belt stuff at fight to win, which is still a handful of years out. But I think it's so important to have wise and I haven't had sports wise for a dozen years. It's awesome to have it again. And as we've sort of discussed, it does like you and I, we're not probably going to win any super meaningful world championships but but i'm going to compete and even if it's a local ibjjf event or a local jiu-jitsu world league who gives a shit just just having the skin in the game of going there even if you get subbed in 45 seconds gives a shit really it's good just to go and train and and the whole purpose of this podcast and the book that i'm writing business jiu-jitsu is to talk to guys like myself and you and the people that are on the periphery periphery of jiu-jitsu like the guys that get a lot of fanfare, the best competitors, the ADCC champs, the IBJJF world champs, they get a lot of attention. But all the guys in the gym, all of their teammates are doctors and lawyers and garbage men and every single cross-section and socioeconomic class. I mean, in my gym alone, we have every single slice of the world, every religion, every color, and everybody's all together. They're doing jujitsu and loves each other and is so like we have this one thing in common even though outside we have so little in common in some cases and what i found is is that the principles that govern these relationships in life are the same exact principles that i find in business and being able to conduct business with large swaths of people and people they have, they have the skin in the game even if they're even if they're at my level of competency just the fact that people show up and engage I mean, you know, post-roll pictures and smiles and discussions are some of the best time in the world, just sitting around on the mat and just bullshitting. And as you insinuated, I go to my gym, real estate gets a little bit myopic. You know, the demographic, the swath is not super wide. I go into my gym, I have blue collar, white collar, black guys, white guys, Latino, Asian, young, old, just every patch of society. And they're all, they're all my friends. They're all cool as hell. And they're people, you know, it, it's, you just... When you work in the white collar world, you don't necessarily get that wide of a swath as people as you do in your jujitsu gym. It's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And the other thing is, is that you and you kind of alluded to this before with growth in business. It's not as explicit when you're having these kind of growth moments. The only, sometimes the only real measure is, am I making more money, or how, how do you measure success? Am I getting more leads? Am I building more clients? Am I getting better at my job? Yeah, you can you can tell that way. But if you really want to have these kind of like exponential growth moments in business, 
John Donahar was talking about this on the London Real podcast. He's like, there it's monotony. It's every day this little growth, and that's why he um, on his like Instagram profile it says like living my life in in accordance with kaizen, daily improvement for the better. I'm so fascinated by these things in business because like I've taken all these concepts that I've learned and that I've studied. Um, I like you mentioned. I love Ryan Holiday. I, he he introduced me to the Stoics. Um, but whenever I read these books, and I love to read, I read a lot. Um, I, I find this like common thread, this common reverberation throughout all of these people that I admire. They all have something in common, and it's usually something like running, or jujitsu, or mountain climbing, or rock climbing. Like people that are incredibly successful in one part of their life find a way to. to to find meaning in this other part of their life. And I always encounter these guys in the gym that are unbelievably good at jujitsu and they're still searching for that like success in business or they're trying to do something else. And I'll say to them, you have all the tools already. You have the answers. Now you just have to start asking the questions. You're so good and you can tell me everything about risk in jujitsu and why and when to take risk. And yeah, now you have to apply it to this other thing. And I'm just endlessly fascinated by that. And in New York, uh, especially in the jujitsu world, you really do encounter so many of these guys that are like, you know, insanely successful real estate, you know, uh, Wall Street traders, doctors, lawyers. And here they are on the mats. And they're like competitive with world champion fighters. You know, this is like the teammate. This is the stable of people that they come back and they train with all the time. And I just, I, I find it, this is what I'm going to be writing about in this book. I'm going to be writing about the principles that make all these people so successful across disciplines. I like that. I think one thing I like about jujitsu in the gym too, is it teaches you how to rock different worlds and find the center of Venn diagrams. Like when we're doing our, when we're doing our businesses, as entrepreneurs, I think largely we're taught to think of things in an empirical, actuarial kind of way. And what you're talking about with guys in the gym, they just have to believe it. Some guys have a different kind of intelligence. You know, it's more spatial, orientational. And guys like you and I, more so you, can be the Rosetta Stone for these guys that want to achieve business successes. In the same way that I'm learning from jujitsu, hardcore jujitsu guys, if they aspire to be business guys, you have the commonality. You have the skin in the game of loving jujitsu. If they make the right, that's the thing I've learned about the world, business, jujitsu, or otherwise. If you make the right ask and you give a shit and you're attentive to and receptive of people's mentoring, I can't tell you how much people whose time is worth 100, 200, 1,000 bucks an hour give me their time that frankly, I feel like I don't deserve just because I ask the right questions. But I also try to provide a value add and I try to be interesting and engaging. It's incredible how much people will give you their time. You know, like our black belt, you know, I spend the standard amount on jujitsu per month. And I feel like I get, even now as a white belt, I get ten dollars or $20,000 of value on it per year. If becoming better at jujitsu and improving my self-confidence and my entrepreneurial range sells me another couple of houses a year, I mean, selling a house here is ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 of commission. So yeah. jujitsu isn't just about getting better about jujitsu. It is... It's, it's improving my self-discipline. Like, frankly, when I was struggling with jiu-jitsu as a sport, I stuck with it because I knew for my mental health and my business outcomes, they would both exceptionally improve. And I had to take that leap of faith to get there. And now that I'm starting to get there and understand it, it's pretty, it's pretty magical. It's very magical. It's, uh, you put it 
beautifully and eloquently there. I'm um, excited to use that as part of my, my research and include that in the book because it is so true. Um, people are so willing to give you their time uh, and people are so willing to help. I have never encountered a truly successful person who doesn't want to make other people successful around them because they know that the only way they got there was by all of the people that helped them. And, you know, I often advise my team, I have a very big team at my companies and I'll often give a book to somebody and I'll say, this is the, one of the most successful people in their industry wrote this book. It doesn't matter what industry. Don't you think you want, you want to find out what's going on? They literally took the time to write down their playbook. They're giving you all of their failures, all of their successes, and they're mapping out all from, from the time that they were born until now. Like a, a great example of this is uh, Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger, CEO of Disney. I mean, here you are, and this guy is, give, is so generous by giving the world this book. And that's how I feel about all of these books that, pe that people write. It's one of the things, I, I wrote a book before this. It inspired me to do that, and you nailed it. When you are able to get somebody's attention and they are so willing to share their time, so you better stick to that person. I'll often say to my team, I want that all over me. I was like, oh, you're a marathon runner? How did you get to be a marathon runner? I wanna know everything about your diet, your training schedule, your regimen, anything you're willing to share with me, I'll take it. And I do so much talking in my business life because I'm constantly coaching and mentoring all my teams. Mm -hmm. when I go to the gym at night, just like you just said, mm -hmm. I don't say a word. I just listen. I listen and I learn. And then when I commute back and forth from work and I'm just listening to books and listening to books, I'm just absorbing as much information as I can. And when I'm able to get around somebody um, who, who has something that they can give to me, I'm just like, please share it with me. You know, that was the whole purpose of this podcast. You just nailed at the heart of this is just something you do better than I is we both ask the right questions, but you know, I'm a nervous, anxious type and I can be a talker. I fill spaces with, 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 with words unnecessarily. So in business and life, I'm having to train myself after I ask the right questions to be quiet and listen. And with jujitsu, the kind of analogy is I'm having to train myself rather than spazzing out, just, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to spend an extra two year or two, just, you know, being, being murdered. So all I can do is just frame up, get in tight, be quiet, listen, take a look around, see what's going on. And that's a big, that's another jujitsu parallel. It teaches you how to, nobody likes a teachy preachy white belt. Nobody likes spaz. Nobody likes this or that. So it teaches you how to be receptive to inputs. I'll give you one that I like. It's from a Churchillian era British diplomat and it's diplomacy is the art of disagreeing without being disagreeable. Hmm. And I learned so much learning from my black belt, from the, you know, high level, you know, fight to win belt holding brown belt, whether it's the four stripe well, white belt, who's significantly better than me. There is so much to be learned from everybody along the spectrum. And it's just, man, the emotional intelligences that I've improved from the sport in a year of it, it's, it's, it's nuts. I didn't think I had the capability to grow this much at 40 but it came on the back end of some business coaching. Um, that's one more thing. I uh, got business coached by a guy named Ryan Nadell, who just did a really nice job, helped develop my growth mindset. And one thing he kind of passed on to me was the notion that it's okay to let go of things that no longer serve us. And 
with jujitsu, when I first started, I'm like, oh my God, you know, it's at least a 10, 15 year journey, this or that. When am I going to get a stripe, this or that? And I realized who gives a shit? You really, I want to hear this from you. How do you balance in life and business the need for process orientation and result orientation? Because anybody who says it's just about process is full of shit. You need results in business or you don't, you, you die, you bleed red ink. So how do you find that balance between the two? I have found that when I truly put in the work with some kind of goal in mind, um, and then I hold myself accountable to actually doing the work every single day, incredible things happen. I'll often say to my wife on a Friday night, I know that I crushed it this week at work. And I have that feeling that I, I left, I, I, keep a, I keep a little journal usually with like a to-do list. And I will go home on that night, on that Friday night. Normally, I'll be going to jujitsu, not in the past couple of uh, weeks. but And I will have a feeling of overflowing of, of flow state. And I know if I, I either have it or I don't have it. And I'm incredibly real with myself if I don't have it. And when I get to jujitsu, it's like if I had a week of jujitsu. I either did it or I didn't do it. And... When I'm, when I'm achieving goals, it's on the back end of that flow state in either life or jujitsu or business. When I run, I go out and I either ran every single day this week or I didn't run. If I ran three days, it's like you said, you can't get good at golf playing two days a week. You could have fun. I have Absolutely. fun playing golf once or twice a week. Yeah. But I know in my – the thing about emotional intelligence like you brought up and something that the Stoics taught me so deeply was – being aware of what is actually success and what is I'm lying to myself, telling myself it's success. And I had many years of my blue belt years. I was, I did jujitsu straight for three years. I got my blue belt. I trained, I got the blue belt blues. I was in my late twenties at that time. And I was off the mat for like, I would say the first time, like three months, one of the owners of my gym, at the time, he wasn't a black belt. Now he's an incredible black belt. He called me and he said, hey, I know it could be intimidating to come back to class and feel like you're going to get beat up. Meet me and I'll train with you like one-on-one, -on -one, not private lessons, just like a friend. And I trained with him like four or five times and he got me back into the swing before I came back into the class. I was so grateful for that phone call because what I didn't know at the time, I only knew this years later my ego was on, I didn't want to get beat up by people that were worse than me when I, when I left. And that happened two other times after that. So three times in total, I, I got my, that was in between my second and third stripes. I got my fourth stripe on my blue belt and I, that was it. I never looked back. That was a few years ago. Now maybe like four or five years. And Question for you. Why did that guy reach out to you? Why did he, why did he have a stakehold in your outcome? Uh, to, to cut to the chase, why did he give a shit about you about bringing you back in? He, first and foremost, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a great friend. Um, I think that he, it's, it's not just because he's one of the owners in the gym. I encounter a lot of owners in a lot of gyms that don't make that phone call. There's a, there's a saying in, in martial arts. It says when the student is ready, the teacher shall appear. Um, some teachers don't make that phone call and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but he was a teammate, you know, he was a long time teammate. He was way better than I was, but he was like kind of like a big brother, little brother type of, 
of relationship. I, I saw it at least as a little brother and he took an interest in having me there. And, um, and I am forever grateful for him for making those calls. And I've written about it and I've talked about it and I will tell anybody about that. And I try to do that whenever I can to reach out to people in jujitsu, my teammates that disappear. Um, sometimes they don't even write me back on, you know, on Facebook or, or Instagram and I will, and then I'll see them a year later and they'll say, thank you so much for reaching out to me that time. I just, I didn't want to get beat up or I had this going on in my life. And I just remember that. I mean, I know that feeling, like you said, you know how many times I've been in the jujitsu parking lot and just say, I don't want to get beat up tonight. Like, I just don't want to get feeling of, of get, getting, of losing. And to back to your original point, it was learning reading and studying that got me past the mentality. And it's not to say that I don't feel that. I still feel those ways, but now I, I, I'm aware of my ego in the, in the stake. Now I know the, the feeling of flow. And I say, you've done jujitsu for four days. This is the fifth day. You're going to... Flow comes with repetition. Well, I'll give you an example. Like if we're practicing something during drilling, I'm very... I'm a concrete thinker and like I'm a, I'm a visual, like I'm a words learner. So like jujitsu has improved my spatial orientation so much. It gives me so much more capacity during the day. I see what's going on. I'm aware of my surroundings. I breathe more, but if there's a pretty simple move, like an arm drag, you know, I used to think, okay, grab, you know, grab left wrist, left hand, grab under the shoulder, pull through. And then you flip it to the other side. I'm like, fuck, man, I, I, I can't, I can't reverse all the wording on this. So it's just, man, it, it's <sighs> jujitsu and flow are such a beautiful thing. And I, I wonder if there's people who it's just, they're just such good learners that comes naturally from just convinced it's really not, it comes easier. Some people than people wired like me, but nobody's, you know, I'm sure a dude like Kyotera, you know, gets a black belt in three and a half years or whatever, but they're training 82 sessions a week. And they are a profound talent for most of us. That are, I'll, I'll give you a quick one that I, I like to think about. So I've learned in business, give me the guy that's a one, I don't think you can be dumb, dumb in business and do well, but give me the guy who's reasonably smart, 110, 115 IQ and works his ass off, isn't fair, fearful of failure, grinds through, asks questions. Give me that over the 150 IQ guy that has no emotional intelligence, isn't willing to rectify or change when things go wrong. Jiu-Jitsu's just taught me it's not the best athlete in the gym. It's not the smartest guy in the gym. It's yeah. just the most resilient asshole to an extent, to an extent. No, you have to, uh, everything in life is on a, is on a, a, on a balance and scale. And you, you have to have a little bit of that hubris that says, I'm going to stick around too. I mean, it's not like you can't be a total pushover. There's the guys in the gym too that never get better. You know, there's guys, you have to be aware of the guy that does stick around, does come every day and never improves. They don't listen. They don't want to be told. Like you said, they're the white belt that's explaining everything to, to the higher belts. They don't want to, you know, absorb the information. The cup is too full. There's so many great examples of this, but every single, God bless you, every single, every single jujitsu gym has the guy that keeps getting passed by. And it's not because he's not showing up. It's because he hasn't emptied his cup to receive the information. That is in star stark contrast to the guy that is um, is learning and growing, or isn't showing up. You know, there's the two guys on the two opposite ends of the spectrum, and that is one of the things my sensei is very careful to warn us about all the time. He he brings that up and says, 
showing up is not the only antidote. It's not just coming here. Like you really have to think about ways to get better. My particular, um, I'm not an incredible athlete. I've never was an incredible athlete. Um, I think the thing that makes me competent at jujitsu is the technical aspect. I'm a technical person. I like techniques. I like thinking about techniques. I like thinking about the little adjustments. In golf, it's like I'm going to move my grip and I'm going to move my thumb here. You know, I'm, I'm just going to change the position just slightly. I'm going to bring the club back. I'm going to cock my wrist just a little bit differently this time. And um, and jujitsu is so nuanced in that way that you don't need necessarily to have explosive athleticism. But in my case, the tech, technical part could only get you so far. And one of my coaches a few years ago, and one of the guys that got me introduced in jujitsu, he said, your jujitsu is about as far as it's going to get before you start taking your health and cross training more seriously. So for me, I was showing up to jujitsu all the time, but I needed to add running. I needed to add lifting, not to get muscle, not to get crazy strong. But his advice to me was, your jujitsu needs cross training also. You can't just come and do more jujitsu. You're not going to get to the level that you want. And that was amazing advice for me to hear. You, re so. you reach a level of inertia. You know, I showed up for a uh, 5 p.m. training the other day. And at 4.15, I realized I hadn't had breakfast, which I normally don't. I hadn't had lunch. So what did I do? I, tr I had a muffin. I drank a bang. And I had a microwavable burrito. And sure enough, even during warm-up rolls, after like after two rolls, I got neon bellied and I'm just like, guys, I got a boogie out of here today. You have to, it forces you to take care of yourself physically, mentally. You're going to reach a point of inertia where you can't go any further. It's made me really attentive to, I'll be straight with you. I eat better because of it. I smoke less pot. I do. I, I, my neurochemistry is better. My attention to how I take care of myself is better. It's been a wonderful thing for me. And whenever I find myself fading out of those good self-care habits, I'm like, Jesus, I got to get back to jujitsu. This is not the day to skip a day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dan, before we wrap this up, first and foremost, I just wanted to share your, um, your Instagram here for those watching. Dan Silvert Holmes. Uh, you are at uh, Sotheby's, yes, sir. Golden Gate Sotheby's. It has been a pleasure talking to you. I'm very, very excited to continue our friendship here. I hope that you would come back on the podcast again in a couple months and we'll get an update on where you are. Um, I love talking about the white belt journey. I think it's it's the mo one of the most important belts, if not the most important belt. Uh, in my first book, the first chapter was Just Start and the importance of just starting. People always have these great ideas. So I really appreciate your perspective. Anything you want to uh, plug or wrap up with before we uh, close this out? I think I'm good for now. I'm glad we discover each other. I appreciate your inputs, your thoughts. Looking forward to the book, and uh, we'll, speak, we'll speak soon. Yeah, you're in good company. I have some, some really great guests coming up, including yourself. I have a uh, uh, one of my friends who's in the FDNY, you know, New York's bravest fire department, and I have one of the biggest – um, personalities in the whole jujitsu and judo world who's going to be on here this week. He, uh, two-time Olympic medalist, uh, Jimmy Pedro, uh, who owns uh, Fuji Mats. So you are in good company this week, my friend. And uh, you, you, You've had UFC contenders, you've had Gracie's, and now you have a zero-stripe white belt. So I feel like I really rounded everything out for you. It is good, yeah. We, got, we have some really, we've had some fantastic contributors so far. 
and some really exciting uh, guests coming up. And uh, you are right a part of that mix and part of this this world. And just as important as any other uh, accomplishment is starting the jujitsu journey. So thank you for discussing it with me. Have a great day. Uh